Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. Rory here with you until 7 p.m. And we have a lot to get through over the course of the next 60 minutes. Unfortunately, we do have to talk about Ireland's defeat to Luxembourg last night in an absolutely abject performance and what it means for Stephen Kenny. We'll hear from the Irish gaffer in just a little bit. And then we're going to be hearing from former Cork City striker and football journalist Graham Cummins as he talks us through the game. Also on the show tonight, Munster's defeat to Leinster in the Pro 14 final last night another defeat for the Reds against the Blues we'll be hearing from Johan van Graan and we'll talk to our good friend Moss Finn and we'll talk MMA as well as we hear from Cork MMA star Pally Han as he prepares to make his professional debut next week you're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM Glad you could join us on the bench tonight. If you'd like to get in touch, text us or WhatsApp us or uh, you can tweet us as well at Big Red Bench if you want to text WhatsApp 0868104106. Just to get you up to date on everything that's been happening today, England are in World Cup qualifying action today. They're taking on Albania in Group I and uh, going into the second half there, they lead by a goal to nil thanks to a Harry Kane header in the 38th minute. In Group F, Scotland will aim for a first win when they come up against Israel from 7.45. Northern Ireland in friendly action. Uh, they're hosting the United States at Windsor Park and it's the uh, USA who lead by a goal to nil there. Elsewhere, finish up scoreless this afternoon between Bray Wanderers and Treaty United in the first division of the SSC or Tristley League. In golf, Gray McDowell's in contention playing his final round of the Corrales uh, Punta Cana Championship. He's teed off from seven under par. He's in a tie for seventh, just three shots behind the joint leaders, Joel Damon and Rafael Campos. At the WGC match play, Billy Horschel is two up through 11 against Victor Perez in their semi-final. Scotty Scheffler is one up through 10 against Matt Kuchar in their last four contests. In cycling, Sam Bennett finished outside the top 10 at the Ghent Vevelgem in Belgium this afternoon. The Belgian Voodoo Van Aert won the one-day race with the Carrigan Tornado appearing to suffer some distress in the final stages. It's now Neil Robertson and Ronnie O'Sullivan on a level of four frames apiece in the final Snooker's Tour Championship. The decider is a best of 19 frames contest at Celtic Manor in Newport. And Formula One world champion Lewis Hamilton started the defence of his title with victory in the season opening Bahrain Grand Prix. The Mercedes driver held off incredible pressure from Red Bull's Max Verstappen in the closing laps with Valtteri Bottas completing the podium. Lando Norris was fourth for McLaren. Right, to kick off the show, we are going to look back on Ireland's defeat to Luxembourg last night uh, in a result that was basically uh, embarrassing um, absolutely embarrassing last night for the Republic of Ireland, going to put a lot more pressure on Stephen Kenny uh, back to back losses now for the boys in green in their World Cup qualifying group, uh, looks like any hope of qualifying is already over and Stephen Kenny is without a win in his 10 games in charge of Ireland so far Right, we're going to hear from Graham Cummins very very shortly, first we are going to hear from uh, Stephen Kenny as he uh, spoke to the media last night and uh, he, in fairness to him, stood up and took responsibility for the defeat. I take responsibility. I introduced the formation. We've no points after two games. So, you know, that's I'm not getting away from that. So that's, um, you know, that's I have, to, I have to accept responsibility for that. I think, um, yeah, you know, that it, I'm just answering the questions honestly I can in that regard that's why we sort of didn't go that way um, we felt that 
maybe we needed to our passing needed to be better and more precise and accurate and we brought Enda Stevens in sort of left side and centre back push James on the left Alan Brown advanced on the right and tried to get more penetration you know with James McLean the left and Alan Brown on the right in advanced areas and Robbie Brady behind the front two and give ourselves more penetration in that way uh, we probably left ourselves a little open doing that um, but that was the sort of uh, objective um, you know but they're, they're, they're the reasons I mean our performance in Serbia was really good and you know that, that was um, the, two, the two European um, playoff and, and the Serbian performance Slovakia and Serbia were the two qualifiers were exceptional performances so we needed to back that up tonight and had we had done that it would have put us in a reasonable place but we didn't and it's just a disappointing result to say the least um, to lose tonight you know it's you know it's certainly um, we you know we wanted to win we are desperate to win and we you know it's it just was it was um, you know it's it's one of those that it's it, it's you know we needed to get that first goal and um, and we didn't do that and we got punished with, with a strike from outside the box now for more on the Republic of Ireland's defeat to Luxembourg last night joined by football journalist former Cork City player Graham Cummins Graham how are you sir? I'm good how are you? Uh, I'm not great after last night Graham I have to say um, humiliation is the word being thrown out uh, by an awful lot of people following last night's uh, results uh, what was your view on it? Yeah I think that's the only word you can use I think to be fair to Seamus Coleman he came out and done a very honest assessment of the team called it embarrassing he didn't look for excuses or try and blame anyone and what I liked about Seamus as well is he, he kind of placed the onus on the senior lads and felt that they left down the younger players which they probably they have done like I mean not disrespect to Luxembourg Ireland should be winning them games I mean in the past Irish fans would be disappointed coming away when you win 2 or 3-0 against these kind of countries and we'd be complaining we didn't play well we won 2-0 two, two isn't good enough we should be winning 5-0 but losing last night do you know what they, Luxembourg deserved it really yep. like you couldn't say Ireland were passing the ball well like Stephen Kenny's been praised a lot like for some of the games in fairness Ireland have played good football but you were getting outplayed by Luxembourg at stages last night and you just thought the goal is coming here like and it just seems like at the moment that players know I would consider that the World Cup campaign is kind of over and then yeah. you think like do players really want to come into this Irish camp No, at the moment I mean they're only going to be ridiculed so it's it's a tough from where you actually go from here it is very tough um, It's there's a lot of questions to be answered I guess but at, at the end of the day like the FBI don't have the money to replace Stephen Kenny I think is the big thing and who do you replace him with then if he does go <sighs> That is the big one, like, isn't it? I mean, I don't think he would be dismissed from his job immediately. I mean, that would be very hesitant because the plan was always to give him time to train and bread his ways. I just think, well, like I said, I was a big advocate of Stephen getting the job. I felt it was a good thing to do because he might bring on younger players into the squad. But if he's been left down by him, I don't know if, if he just doesn't have really the presence in the dressing room because I kind of look at him like I, I kind of look at him and I say in the media he just it's what disappoints me even he comes out after the result and you just you didn't get any hope from him last night is what I would kind of look at his interview didn't go to me 
he's not been really harsh. He's not he's not giving me anything to say. Do you know what? He can turn this round. He kind of looked like a broken man, which is understandable after that. But even just the way he's answering questions and stuff, it's very awkward. And you're just saying, if he can't speak in front of the press like that, how are you meant to speak in front of players on in thousands of pounds and on of big egos? So I think yeah. like the press should be the easiest part. So I'm, so I'm wondering... When he walks into the dressing room, do the players go stand up and go, I respect this guy straight away. They're going, he can't even speak to us. This is a joke at the moment. Like, and if you think the manager, the fellas leading you out in the pitch can't demand the authority, then like the players aren't going to really perform. To be fair, though, at the same time, he has had terrible luck with injuries and an awful lot of players have been missing for the last two games. And he's probably never been able to, to play what he feels is his best eleven. Oh, well, definitely. Like I mean, the COVID situation, everything like that hasn't gone his way. But again, that's no excuse for the performance last night. I mean, we look back at the games and you just think like it's some of the teams they played, you wouldn't say they're much better than Ireland. They're by far a better team. Far probably England, you would say. Right, they deservedly wouldn't you wouldn't expect them to really do anything against England. But again, he came out and he was talking about Serbia the other night as if Ireland had actually got a result yeah. or a point or anything. Like, it's a sad state when you're actually celebrating going, we scored a goal, this is great. Like, we lost the game but scored a goal. And it does come to a stage, no, I, again, I said, like, he should get the World, he should probably get the rest of the World Cup campaign because they're not going to qualify realistically and just see what he can do, see can he change it around and then there's no excuses. And my fear is then if I was a League of Ireland manager now who would hoped to probably progress and go further in their career, you kind of wonder going, is he, was he the guinea pig going out there? And if he doesn't succeed, then people will look at other League of Ireland managers who might want to go to England and go, I don't think about this. I know there's a lot of people are saying Michael O'Neill only won one game at Northern Ireland, but he was tipped for a lot of jobs before that and he done really, really well with the Rovers side and actually played against some tough teams in Europe um, develop players and you could see a plan with his he's kind of Michael kind of went into games and went we're not better than these teams we have to set up we have to sit in and we just have to get the wins and I always say it I'm more of an advocate of winning football is more important about how you win football and if you're a manager he's got to look at himself now and go how do I save my job because it's not working what he's doing at the moment and one way it might have to be I might have to go back and just grind up results I might have to look for other players better players that maybe we could bring in the granny rule again and get them to play with Ireland because for me it doesn't matter if they've rejected Ireland in the past I think Bamford's a prime example there I was reading during the week that one of his coaches or something that MK Don's asked him would he be interested and Stephen Kenny kind of said well he told him no but why doesn't he go and ring Bamford himself if I'm a player I'm just getting a coach to ring me you're more impressed by the manager saying come play for us especially when he's just been left out of the England squad he's never going to have a better chance of getting into the England squad if he wants to play international football Ireland's the only team for him because I think England Gareth Southgate sees him too slow I don't think you'd see Gareth Southgate when it came to Declan Rice or anything saying I'll get rid of one of the coaches to have a chat with him first like I'll leave it off so that's kind of there's little things like that that do frustrate me like and I think as a manager like be believe in yourself really I don't know if he lacks a lot of confidence or what yeah I think he it's 
probably that as well. But also last night, Graham, he's very slow to change things up. I mean, like he went out with a three-five-two formation that didn't change the mm. entire game, and it, it was obvious that it wasn't working, and something needed to change, and he, he didn't change it up. Yeah, but I mean, everyone could see that that wasn't working, and presumably then I would say, where's his coaching staff? Are they going up? Are they talking to him, telling him you need to change this? Like, or is he just not listening to them? I mean, if a manager he has to see that he came out and said afterwards it didn't work he took the blame for that so that's bad management you can't come out and say look we were unlucky or anything like that we had a lot of good chances besides maybe the James Collins chance you wouldn't say oh Alan Brown's header as well maybe you wouldn't say look Alan really really were unlucky the keeper had a blinder or anything like that for Luxembourg so that just suggests to me that it's bad management because if he doesn't change something if you can't see something on the pitch or his coaching staff can't see something on the pitch. I've I've been on the bench a lot of times and you hear coaches go up and say, this fella isn't working, we're having trouble there and the manager will call out more and say, do we change this? What do you think? So he needs to be delegating things as well. Um, so I, I don't know, that's that just suggests to me that it's poor management. Even like if even if a fan can see something in a stand going, this needs to be changed and it should be changed. So where do Ireland go from here now, Graham? There's like what? There's five months now to the Portugal game. We've a friendly with Qatar in two days' time, but we can almost dismiss mm. that. But like Portugal oh, coming up the I first. I think of everyone's September. looking forward. To, oh well, the Qatar game. Everyone's looking forward. To, I'm sure the viewing will be through the roof for that. <laughs> um, look, they can't. Things can't get worse. That's that's the only thing to go. Sometimes you got. Are you sure? I well, you tell me. Like sometimes in football embarrassing defeats can be the best thing for you to go forward and go what I'm doing isn't working so I have to change so that's the way he has to look at things like I said I don't think there's any point replacing no, because I don't think anyone's going to come in and change it and all of, yeah. all of a sudden Ireland are going to win all their games in the group which isn't going to happen no matter who is in charge so I think the it's good because there's a lot of time off because the players you wouldn't want to be in that camp at the moment that's what I'm saying um, whether they look to bring in younger players again and just say maybe to Stephen they say you mightn't be here in a few years but why don't you bring in younger players I think um, Liam Delap is a big name I think in Manchester City he's doing really well um, and there's an opportunity to, for him to represent Ireland instead of England why not go cap him now bring in all these players you think you know what they might play with England in the future but they're young now if you got them into the senior Irish yeah. squad that's the way I'd be looking and I'd be saying we don't want another Declan Rice who's coming through representing us and he's going to go away in a few years I think I think he's the name that stands out to me is what I would be doing if I was Stephen Kenny looking at younger players 17, 18 year olds and go let's just get these lads capped I don't like if if they want to play senior Irish international football it's ahead of England under 19s at the moment that's the way to go for me and just build on the next European campaign what I will say in defence of Stephen Kenny is that he's trying to change the mentality of Irish football as a whole not just the senior men's mm. team but Irish football as a whole and that is going to take time and you need to back him now I think for that because if you change him now it will need your reaction or decision and that could set that whole process back uh, a number yeah. of years oh look they definitely like it's harder to do it in international football even than club football you know when you, when a manager comes in a club football at least he's there every single day he's working with the players every day and even managers then like you look at Guardiola it took him a year to do it at City 
and he's in there every single day of the week where Stephen's not been in the Irish job too long and he doesn't have really time to work with him. I mean, he's work, he works a week here and then he gets another six months off. So I definitely think they have to back him and then football just goes around in circles. I mean, one minute the long ball works, the next minute no, everyone wants short passing football. So like, as much as he wants to change, you no, know, it will come back to again. We're all and we'll go along. I mean, it's been successful. When who's, I do, I do like the way he's looking and he's ambitious and he wants to play that way. And I do want to watch Ireland play good football. And I've always said it for years. I would like to see Ireland obviously playing good football, winning. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty, you just want to be in the major tournaments and you gotta, you gotta work with the tools you have and maybe the players aren't good enough to do what he wants them to do. Perhaps, yeah, and it probably goes back. Look, it's with the 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 ills, and I suppose the the negative points of Irish football has been well documented. But there's a, a, mm. lack, a lack of structure, I suppose, in in developing players from a young age in this country, and that's probably coming home to roost. But see, I have I have an issue with that as well. Now at the moment, because when I I think it's a lot of people say that, but then I look now when I look at like the likes of Cork City, the local clubs. They've under 12s, under 13 teams, and every manager has to be badged up to the max. When I was 12 and 13, if you could bring cones and a bib to training, that was good enough for a coach. So all these players are getting better coaching. So all your football is developing that way, and better players are coming through. So I think sometimes we're way too quick to just say, look, it's someone else's fault. you got to look first of all and say, right, that's fair enough. There is a problem. We all know there's a problem, but that still doesn't excuse not getting a victory in ten games. It's still like between like me and you, Rory, could have went out and got a victory in that ten games at Ireland. We could have picked eleven players and we could have said, "This is the job you have to do. We need to get a win." That's it. Sometimes I've been in dressing rooms. You lose a game and you just players. I don't know if the players have spoke to them. You just say, "Look, it's not worked. Let's just go this way. Let's get our win." Let's put it into the corner I don't care we'll just get that goal and we'll stick in the game and grind it out but it like I said I, there's so much the coach in Ireland is getting much better like I said it's all former players now coach and it's not like your dad or your uncle like it used to be before just standing at the side of the pitch going can you spare half an hour there and train the kids it's totally different now I mean they are getting much better training people are aware of it so there you can look at that and like I said there, there's hopefully will be better players coming through in the next few years like I said Liam the last of this world but you can't excuse you can't just hide away what's happened last night you can't excuse it like there's no excuse no certainly not um, just finally Graham um, we were both at Turners Cross uh, on Friday night uh, to watch Cork City beat Cove Ramblers in an entertaining uh, Cork derby um, what do you think of both sides? Um, I thought Cove were very impressive. I yeah. thought they had a really good game plan. Um, they went 4-3-3 in possession. They looked 4-4-2 out of position. I think uh, Kieran Griffin really stole the show Brilliant, in yeah. terms of unknown quantity. I actually did know him um, because I played against him with Ringman this year and I remember Mark him just saying, this guy doesn't stop running and <laughs> he's so annoying. Like He was very annoying that night against me and I thought, he's a really, really good player. And for such... For such a light player, he held the ball up brilliantly. In fairness to him, like, um, and their defence was excellent. I thought Charlie Lyons and Cav. Now, I was I was surprised to see Cav playing centre back, but he was outstanding. Yeah. And and they just 
it was sloppy goal really to concede the winner. Um, like I thought Sean was very good the whole night and goal coming for crosses, claim and everything and he'll feel disappointed with himself about that. But I think Stewie Ashton will definitely take a lot of positives from that. They'll go away knowing how didn't they'll be thinking, how didn't we get a victory from that game? Um on the other side I think City, like obviously going into always going into Cove Cork City games, they're always the favourites. Yeah. Like Battle is to say City are, are seen as the bigger club, uh, the bigger team, the better team, sorry, and probably there's more pressure on the players to win. Um and they did get that win, but I don't think they can hold their hands up and say we deserved that really it was a smash and grab mm. they, they didn't seem to have a really big structure to their game plan but again it's very early in the season like I said it's, it's just about winning it was important because after the relegation last year if they'd started the season on a low again that would creep in it kind of like the year before when before the relegation when they went so bad and then they start the band and then you get relegated so it's just something if you see that with clubs when they get relegated they can have a very bad year so it was just about the win and that was the important thing for City and if they beat Cavan then again next week they're on a roll like where Cove Cove I think should feel very confident as well going into the UCD game yeah, some very um, some good positives to take from the city perspective. Though. I thought George Heaven was incredible. Mm. He reminded me a bit of Dan Murray. Mm. Now, I'm not just saying that because Dan was next to me in commentary the other night, but he reminded me a bit of Dan Murray. Cleaned up everything, um, two-footed, played some lovely passes and looked very, very good. Yeah, I think, well, what was very impressive about him is he always seemed to be in the right place when yeah. the ball was coming into the box. He got his head, he seemed to just get that little flick every single time. I thought, to be fair, I didn't think he started the game well because I thought Griffin actually was getting a lot better than him and he was playing on him a bit and he was giving away silly free kicks but then he kind of learned straight away that I can't go in tight to this fella because you know in football like Heaven's a much bigger player than Griffin and if Dale kind of say oh if he touches him Griffin will go down and he's but um, I thought like he was very good for City and I thought uh, Bags Badger he was very good as well like every time he got the ball he looked lively he looked like he was going to create something so he, they were probably the two positives you would really take from City and I think Nulls made a lot of good saves as well and he's going to be very very crucial to that team because his experience because it's a young team still like you, you'd forget like you, you know when you see Ronan Harley out there the other night you think like oh he's a season pro he's yeah. been around for years he's only 21 he's very young like <laughs> yeah. I mean at 21 you're still a kid like and I think like I said once you get a few games into you never you can't really get the ball rolling until you're five or six games in because friendlies aren't really competitive or anything like that so I, I wouldn't be quick to judge anyone until five or six games but I definitely think Heaven the other night looked like he could be a good prospect Will City go up or is this going to be a couple of year project I suppose for Colin Healy? You see, I didn't see Shells or Galway the other night, so mm-hmm. it's hard. Um, and obviously, they're the two favourites. I I do have a very sneaky feeling for Bray. You know, I'd be very interested to see how they get on because I think they've got a good spine of the team, good experience. Um, I I think at the moment it's very soon. Uh, judging on the other night's performance, I don't think they'd be able to go up. But again, like I said, it's very early on. I mean, when I've got promoted with Cove or City ourselves we'd never start to really you wouldn't say we were great at the start so mm. they'll build up and once the lads get confidence into their team and they might be they might go up and win again like I said next weekend the Cavendish and then the ball's really rolling 
All right, fingers crossed. Graham, pleasure as always, buddy. Thanks for joining us in the Big Red Bench today. Thanks, Rory. Thanks, Rory. Thanks very much. Yeah, always a great pleasure to have Graham Cummins on the show. Uh, pity we weren't talking about an Ireland win, but that defeat to Luxembourg. Um, it's embarrassing, basically, isn't it? I mean, like, it's just simply not good enough. And as we heard from Stephen Kenny just beforehand, he, he's trying to play a formation. He took the, he took the blame for it not working. So it remains to be seen, um, like what Ireland can do. There's the, the friendly coming up with, uh, Qatar. That's coming up on Tuesday. And then it's, uh, Portugal in September. So it's just about five months, just over five months. Uh, for Ireland to, to to regroup and for Stephen Kenny to, to formulate a plan but it's two defeats no wins in ten for Stephen Kenny knives you can hear them being sharpened for him um, um, a lot of people are saying calling for his head after last night's game which I think would probably be too premature it'd be premature I mean like you can see that there's a plan and you can see what he's trying to do it is just going to take time but at the end of the day as well it is a results business but that performance last night, I mean, I'm exasperated by it. That, and the result, I mean, like, and you think, right, a win against Luxembourg now set things up nicely and uh, improved the mood. And But no, a dreadful performance, a dreadful result. And it's uh, left Ireland uh, in a very bad position. Like, I th- realistically, I don't think anyone predicted that Ireland would qualify for the World Cup, but you want them to be competitive at least. But that defeat last night it's certainly knocked the stuffings out of me to be perfectly honest about it I'm just going to play um, a brief clip of uh, the captain Seamus Coleman he spoke to Tony O'Donoghue uh, on RT afterwards and he was just searing in his honesty yeah it's a shocking result <clears throat> it's an embarrassing result and um, let's not hide behind anyone for that one that's uh, that's on us as players um, yeah we should be we should be embarrassed How, can you put your finger on why, why was it so flat particularly second half no, I don't know. Um, I think as players, we need to have a good hard look at ourselves. Like you need people demanding the ball out there, and I, you know, I don't think we've done that enough. Um, you know, we're maybe if we're building up one side, then uh, you need people to want it out the other side, and uh, I don't think we heard enough voices. So, listen, Tony, I got to come out here and do an interview, but there's no words for that there. That's. Uh, that's embarrassing on on behalf of everyone at home watching. Um, you know, as players, we take that in the chin, but it's nowhere near uh, what what we wanted. I appreciate you coming out. Can I ask you what's it like in that dressing room right now? Yeah, listen, there's <coughs> anger, embarrassment, a bit of everything. Tony, um, you know, it's not good enough, and uh, there's no there's no words I can say to you to make the people at home feel any better or. Um, or anything like that so you know I think as players we should be disappointed to have Gavin uh, Gavin's debut uh, tainted like that you know great young lad um, fantastic player and you know senior players out there we, we should be taking that in the chin for, for them younger lads yeah very good stuff there from um, Seamus Coleman the Ireland captain very honest and, uh, and forthright uh, following last night's defeat but um, you can hear how dejected he was and how upset and angry he was basically in that interview with uh, Tony O'Donoghue on RT after the game but <laughs> I'm still still not over that it's going to take a while to get over alright uh, still to come on the show 
We're going to talk MMA and going to talk to Paddy Han as he prepares to make his pro debut uh, next week. But up next, going to talk uh, the Pro 14 final. Going to look back on last night's uh, defeat uh, to Leinster and what that means for Munster. Nine defeats now in ten uh, Leinster derbies for Johan van Graan. We're going to talk to Moss Finn about the Reds and where they go from here. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. <laughs> Red FM. Thanks very much indeed for joining us on the Big Red Bench this evening. England are now uh, 2-0 up on Albania. Still in three minutes on the clock there. Mason Mount with England second. Uh, Harry Kane with the opener for Garcelk outside on 38 minutes. We are going to look back on last night's uh, Pro 14 final and Leinster's win uh, against Munster and a disappointing night for the Reds. Going to hear from Munster legend Moss Finn shortly. First, though, the reaction of Johan van Grand following last night's defeat. Oh, well, the game plan was to go and win a final, Gavin. Um, no, they, um, I felt they, they started the game really well. They kept us pinned in our, in our 22. Uh, we... We scrambled really well, got ourselves back into it um, just before halftime. Really positive at halftime. We played five or six phases there from the kickoff. They hit us back. Uh, we knocked it on. They got that scrum penalty. And once they got gained access to our, our 22, it's pretty difficult to keep them out. Um, so, you know, from a from a pressure point of view, they, they kept us pinned just outside of our 22. And... Now they won two big battles. They won the battle in the air and they won the battle at the scrum. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't get access to their 22. Um, I know <laughs> in terms of playing, uh, you know, we, we didn't get a chance to because we got pinned. How better can you improve between now and Toulouse? Look, it's a, it's a total different proposition that, that we face. Uh, Leinster or our team that just keeps applying the pressure. I think the two of us know each other very well. Unfortunately, it was another one score uh, or one try game. They, they scored one try and, and we didn't score one. So it's a total different game in a, in a different comp- uh, competition. Obviously, it's a it's a knockout uh, which which remains the same, but it's a it's a total different. Uh, all right, for more on Munster's defeat uh, to Leinster last night, joined by our good friend Moss Finn. Moss, it's, it, it, it kind of, it's obvious, I suppose, but it hurts to say at the same time that Leinster are just simply a better team than Munster. Absolutely. Um, they were definitely better by a mile last night. Uh, most unfortunate, but the, um, you know, we're not a bad team, but we were made to look very, very weak in, in comparison to Leinster. They dominated, dominated the game from start to finish. They dominated possession. They, they dominated everything and, you know, it, in, in rugby football, it's very difficult to play without the ball mm. and we just couldn't get possession. We'd only 33% due throughout and you can't play without the ball. Simple as that. Yeah, and the first 40 minutes, I mean, like they go into the, into the half-time at, at level, but the work that Munster had to put in to keep Leinster out was phenomenal and there was no way they were going to be able to keep them out for the entire 80 minutes. No, it, it was an absolute mystery at half-time how Leinster weren't three or four scores ahead mm. they but, they butchered four or five chances with some poor passing in, in midfield there particularly by Rory O'Loughlin who threw two passes off his left hand that if a 13 year old did it you'd scold him so I mean if, if he had threw two good passes thrown two good passes they would have been would have been 14 point differential I was hopeful still at half time because sometimes as you know in all games when when the team in the ascendancy don't score when they should score 
they could lose their impetus and momentum and maybe Munster might regain the momentum after half time he was hoping because sometimes when you botch scoring chances you might you mightn't get any more but unfortunately that wasn't the case Was there anything that Johan van Grand could have done differently last night or was it just a case no matter what he did Leinster were going to win regardless um, it's, it's difficult the, the big thing about rugby football if you're beaten from 1 to 8 it's very difficult to do anything you can talk about your Joey Carberries or Conor Murrays or Andrew Conway's in the back line but if the, if the pack are beaten from 1 to 8 it doesn't matter who's coaching them because you, you just can't play um, I, whatever happened whatever Van Gran had instilled into them there's a possibility that Munster possibly overhyped maybe with the emotion of Billy Holland playing his last match the emotion of Stander going maybe Van Gran revved them up too much maybe and they, they, they left it in the dressing room sometimes when you get too anxious and too keen to do well that sometimes the whole thing can just go flat when you hit the pitch and you're overtaken by emotion because we weren't on the forward foot at any stage and, and Leinster just dominated us so if you what more could Van Gran have done I don't know but there's something certain one thing certain is that when Munster went out yesterday evening they were very very flat and just weren't up for the fight and, and were dominated and like it's the same in any game if, if you if, 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 if you're not ready and psychologically ready to take the fight to a team it's very hard to get it out there and Leinster pummeled us and blew any little bit of spirit that we had out of us and we, we just couldn't regain momentum never got momentum and they kept shutting us out maybe because they're a superb team and they are a superb team when you look at the likes of Johnny Sexton and Ty Furlong two Sextons two um two lines on the bench mm-hmm. it just shows you the power they have like I mean it's they have a conveyor belt of talent coming through like they have 28 feeder schools we possibly only have two feeder schools down here so they they have a relentless amount of academy players coming in all the time so they're a world class force period and we just couldn't match them unfortunately whether it was Van Gran or whether it was anybody else uh, taking charge I'm not too sure they could have done any better so what can be done now from a month's perspective to get to that Leinster level or is it are we talking years of work here <sighs> Uh, well we're, we're, we're at a pretty high level but we're not as good as them but overall I would say and I don't like being too critical but I, I would suggest that Van Gran has not progressed with his team in fact I would say he has regressed because we have the players like but um, they don't seem to be they don't seem to be getting on they don't seem to be unifying or playing to a pattern under him like it's, it's very dull and, and predictable like which now they brought in Stephen Larkham there, the the the, the great Australian yeah. fly half of yesteryear, like who was a very very creative fella when he was playing. But Munster grossly lacked creativity in the in the Van Gran era. We we never seem to play in a match where there's a bit of flair and a bit of openness. Like it's he's a typical South African one-dimensional kick the ball long, the sort of long ball in in, par- in soccer parlance. So that mm-hmm. that's the way he plays and. Even the, the centre there, Lelandi in the middle there, the fellow he brought who won the World Cup, like he's not a creative player. Like the South Africans lack creativity and Munster grossly lack creativity and maybe that's an expression of, of the stewardship. Certainly. So um, it's looking at comments online and stuff last night. I mean, like the vast majority of people saying that Munster just far too predictable, nothing in attack and that seems to be a continuing theme I've spoken to you a couple of times about Munster this year and that seems to be a continuing theme that just that predictability in attack and just no, no creative spark 
no creative spark, certain no, no box office value, really, you know. And um, I, I'd say in their defence to a degree, like I'd love, you know, Joey Carberry is undercooked, there's no doubt. I yeah. mean, you can't come into a match at that level with 17 minutes in one match's preparation and 16 another. So, But having said that, if you're getting ball on the back foot, it's very hard for Carberry or anyone to create. But it seems to be a team of monster. We're not, we're not expansive. We're not... Um, we, we wouldn't be if people could go to matches no you wouldn't be getting big crowds to watch them because they have got very boring they've got singularly boring no question or doubt about that Was there any um, positives to take from a Munster perspective last night Moss? Um Well it just shows you they showed great resilience I, I suppose they showed mm. great resilience would be the positive and I, I mean I'd be a Munster man to the core like, and it sickens me that Leinster have beaten us now six times in a row but yeah. um, the positives not many other than the fact that we showed a great will to hang in there and held them to six all at half time and at the end of the day we were only beaten by 10 points when maybe people with less emotion for the red jersey may have been beaten by 30 but mm-hmm. by such a force you know I just hope we can turn around, turn it around in a week and and do well against Toulouse at home given the fact that hopefully they won't be as good as Leinster are you know but <laughs> having said that they're top of the Premier in, in France so they won't be a soft touch like they're, you know, France, France rugby is on a bit of a high other than Scotland beat them the other night, excuse me. But yeah. generally, the and Toulouse generally are different to other um, French clubs in that they do target Europe as well as their home league. So that will be formidable opposition. I just hope we can get it going for that one again. But it will be hard to pick up after that humiliating defeat. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, like, I can't imagine training. Limerick is going to be a fun place for that Munster squad this week. I mean, like, how does Johan van Grijn get them back up in the space of seven days? Very difficult. Very difficult, because we were beaten all over the pitch. You know, it is... Um, it's very difficult to, come to, to pick up from that, you know, and... It just shows you there. Like you see, Leinster are, are so formidable. Um, Devin Toner there. I mean, it 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 it, it, it defies belief. Like that he wasn't at the World Cup under Joe Smith. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the most incredulous decision I've ever seen in, for an Irish team going to a World Cup. He he's he guarantees line out ball, and like their entire pack, their back row there of Reese Ruddock, um, uh, Van der Fleer and Jack Conan. They blitzed us like so. Maybe th- we mightn't be up against as much as uh, as good a team as that next Saturday, so hopefully we can play on that maybe. But what I would like Van Grant to do on the weekend, Stephen Larkham, like is that at least if we're going if we're going to play to lose and go out against them and be beaten, whatever, just play and let's put the ball wide. Let's play a kind of a brand of rugby that might be more easier, e- that would be easier on the eye. Fingers crossed, Munson get a result next week. Moss, is always a pleasure. Thanks for talking to us on the Big Red Bench today. You're welcome, Rory. Yeah, always delighted to speak to Moss Finn uh, on the big red bench and uh, Moss uh, certainly calling it as he sees it when it comes to Munster and that poor performance last night in the Pro 14 final and uh, not an awful lot of time now if they're to turn things around with the Champions Cup looming next weekend as they take on to lose next Saturday at 3pm. So it's... Uh, they don't, they don't have an awful lot of time to pick themselves back up so they need to hit their own ground running in training this week but disappointing disappointing from Munster last night alright we're going to talk MMA now and uh, next week Cork MMA star Pally Han makes his professional debut on a packed cage legacy card now I've seen Pat fight a couple of times uh, most recently 
Um, it was on the Cage Warriors card that was in Neptune Stadium at the uh, end of 2019 and he was put on one of the performances of the night basically and so really looking forward to seeing what his uh, future holds in uh, professional MMA so I've been speaking to the SPG Cork City athlete about his career to date and to his coach Liam Og Griffin about training in a pandemic keeping the gym going while being shut uh, and plenty more besides as well Okay, we're just over a week away now from Patrick Lee Hans' upcoming professional MMA debut. Pa and his coach, Damo Griffin, join me now live and direct from SBG Cork City, lads. How are you? All good. All good, Roy. How are you, man? Good, good, good. You're Thanks. 50 there in your Star Wars uh, <laughs> background. Yeah, it's uh, my uh, my new desk there. It's my new office. My little TIE fighter. Um, pa, I might start with yourself. Um, obviously, training to become a professional is a daunting task as it is. How has it been doing this in the midst of a pandemic? Well, I've been training like a professional really my whole the whole time. Um, like I've been doing a session every single day, you know, every five days a week or whatever. Um it's just been upping it now. It's tough during the lockdown. Like, there's less training partners. We have a small bubble, like, of elite athletes, like we were saying there a while ago. Um, so, like, I have less bodies to train with, less um, less of, like, a variety, but still, um, we're getting in loads and loads of work, like. And is there guys in a weight category there in the gym that you can train with? Uh, there's a, there's a, a lot of people uh, heavier than me and there's a couple of people lighter than me there's not really many people my exact weight um, for this one like my main my main training partner kind of for all my amateur fights would have been Connor Toomey but he, he's been out now because he's not um, he's doing his leaving start now like so mm. uh, he can't be training anymore you know exactly so, yeah. um, so training for a professional fight compared to the amateurs I mean like as you say you've always been training as a professional like almost all your life so has anything changed have you focused on things more specific or just has the general workload increased yeah the workload has definitely increased we've um, especially the strength and conditioning that's kind of the biggest thing to be stepped up like I've been working with uh, BUA Health and Fitness they've been doing um, they've been looking after all my strength and conditioning and all my nutrition and my diet and everything like that um, and that's been like very very regularly like every single day um, we've been on the ball with them and that it's been tough but uh, it's been brilliant working with them the last time I saw you fight was uh, in Neptune Stadium and Cage Warriors with that fantastic win over Shane Garrity that really mm-hmm. I suppose propelled you into the limelight and kind of uh, marked you out as one to, to, to be noticed and, and, and to take note of for the future did you notice kind of an increase in attention on you after that fight? Uh, 100% yeah it was a big stage like um, but I like I had the ability to do that all the time I just I was I never like I, I've been fighting very very tough opponents my whole career my whole amateur career I was always fighting people that, that I should have lost against so um, I never had an easy fight and that night I just got to prove to everybody what I can do you know mm-hmm. against uh, a good opponent as well Like, but I, I'm just I'm, I've started stringing, stringing wins together now uh, at the end of my amateur career and then obviously lockdown happened but uh, we decided to just go pro just go for it now yeah, actually a couple of cancelled fights obviously over the last year which must have been kind of very frustrating I guess yeah very frustrating I, I had flights booked to England and opponents pulling out and Covid hit and there was just you know loads of hiccups like yeah um, that must be very like you haven't fought now since what November of 2019 yeah, yeah. Which is a long, long time. It's in learning. It's like sixteen, seventeen months in a fighter's career. It's an incredibly yeah. long time. But how do you avoid, I suppose, that frustration getting to you and kind of like affecting you? I guess. 
Um, I suppose just trying to keep keep my mind busy. It had like it is frustrating when you have like plans that you, you know you've in your head you have a fight coming up and you start training for it and then it falls through and you know you can't like the opponent falls out or the mm. obviously COVID and everything. Liam Og, if I can ask you, I mean, like, obviously coaching the guys um, during a pandemic must be incredibly difficult and trying to keep them motivated as well must be a hard part for two. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. I mean, like, the, all these all these uh, combat athletes are very, very much goal-oriented. You know, they, they, they get a, a fight date and then they're in fight camp and, you know, they can really push through, bro- like, they can blast through anything during during fight camp but when the pressure is off and there's not something there like tangible to aim for then suddenly you kind of get okay guys are kind of missing one day of training a week or maybe they're later for training and just the focus is just not there so what we kind of tried to do throughout uh, lockdown was kind of put different goals on 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 the lads so like as a team we're, we're trying to train for a triathlon as well at the moment we've hmm. got uh, one of our members here in the gym uh, Sean O'Leary is doing a, a triathlon to raise money for a uh, um, a prosthetic leg that he's that he needs very very badly to train. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did that as a team, you know. Uh, we 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 started trying to do the splits. We, we had a race to see who could get the splits first. <laughs> you know, like different challenges like yeah. that, like just to, just to keep keep things kind of fresh and goal oriented during the lockdown. Uh, there was uh, shows that were kind of planned in the middle of the lockdown, and uh, we could have tried to get on those shows, but something told me that some of them were going to be cancelled, and I didn't want to kind of. Uh, put the lads on and then have them go through that emotional roller coaster of fight on, fight off, fight on, fight, fight off. So yeah, it's 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 been a tough kind of a coaching period, but um, you know the lads have have really, really, really pulled all the stops out here. They've trained as as Pa has said, they've all trained like professionals. They've all leveled up in the last twelve months, and what you're going to see on April third is going to be a coming out party for for the lads. And just just zooming back a bit as well, Liam, just zooming out from the professional side of things. I mean, like just for the gym as a whole over the last year. I mean, like you've got hundreds of members there. I mean, like it must be incredibly frustrating for them, incredibly frustrating for you that the gym has been closed essentially for nine months. Absolutely, as yeah, you, nail on the head. There is nine nine of the last twelve months. Our doors have been closed. Um, we have a very, very small uh, um, bubble of eight elite athletes and pro athletes that, that are able to train a limited amount in within their own bubble. But for three, 300 plus members, the doors are closed. Um, we're doing the best we can with like trying to stay in touch with people online, do kind of online workouts, do online challenges and, and things like that. But it's, it's incredibly frustrating. And, and for, for, from a business point of view, our rent bill is still due at the end of every mm-hmm. week. You know, we're still we've still got all the same bills that we had when we were open, but now we we don't have the membership coming in to, to to cover those costs as well. So it's been a tough year, but the lads have put put in the work on the mat, um, and, and they're gritting through it. And as a business, we're getting through it, and we're going we're going to be coming out fighting and hitting the road round running. Uh, once this whole thing passes over yeah we're expecting a, a kind of an easing of some of the restrictions in the next couple of days an announcement on that is due in the next coming of days but um, do you realistically think I suppose that gyms will be among the last to reopen I think so I, I, I don't see gyms opening until June yeah unfortunately I would I would love to, to, to get it out there a little bit quicker I think um, you know there are, there's definitely a lot of uh, mental health benefits for people getting a workout in you know, that we, we managed to do it in, in a level three lockdown where we had, you know, limited numbers, socially distanced classes, non-contact classes and stuff like that. I think I think I, I would welcome a return to that uh, sooner rather than later, but I just don't see it happening. Fingers crossed. Anyway. Um, talk to me about this young man here sitting next to you. I mean, like, as I mentioned, uh, really making a name for himself and really putting himself out there with that Cage Warriors fight, Neptune, um, almost 18 months ago. Yeah. 
yeah, it was a phenomenal performance. Um, I mean, like as as past coach for the last, for however long he's been training, I always knew he had the, the the potential to do that. But that 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 night, as he said, everything just clicked together for him, and it was it was the knockout of the night. Hmm. It was arguably the fight of the night as well. Um, you know, I think it was more exciting than 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 even the pro fights that were on that night. And that was a great card, you know. So you know, like it, it just was a great performance. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, we 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 had a, a title fight over in um in uh, about an hour north of Liverpool, where he took out a uh, um, an unbeaten uh, an unbeaten kid like eight and zero in um, two weight classes above him, mm. and he submitted him in the second round and absolutely dominated him throughout. You know, so like this is like when when Pa is turning pro, he's turning pro, he's ready. To turn pro because he's completed one of the toughest apprenticeships in the amateur uh, uh, ranks uh, that any fighter has had to do in Ireland in the last number of years. Every single fight he's ever had has been against either a current champion for a title or against a, a, an IMF gold medalist, or you know, and they're, they're all really, really tough fights. And he's never ever been beaten up. He may have lost the decision <laughs> or he may have got caught with a submission towards the end of yeah. the fight, but you've never seen Pa being dominated or beaten up. He's always there to fight and now towards this part of his career he's there to dominate and, and have his hand raised at the end and that's what you're going to see on April 3rd. So heading into a fight like this, Limo, I mean, like, do you sit down with Pan and say, look, we need to work on XXX or is it just more of a general kind of process? Do you just kind of work on everything or do you say, look, we have to focus on striking for this fight or how does it work? Yeah, we're, we, well, particularly during this pandemic, we're, we're not going to specifically game plan for one opponent because like everything could go you know, belly up on an, on a moment's notice. So, like we're we we've got our eye on the long the long term goal here. We're, we're talking being a UFC champ within the next ten years. Um, you know, and like that 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 means he has to be a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He has to be a world class boxer. He has to be you know a world class mm-hmm. wrestler. Be able to deal with the Russian wrestlers. Be able to deal with you know like the the the, the Kazakhstani uh, fighters that that are that are on on the rise at the moment. We have a whole African nation that that that's just discovering MMA in the last couple of years. We have to deal with them as well. So we have our eye on the long term goal always. Um, Leon Hill, his opponent for this this fight is is a, a very very tough kid. Um, but we're not we're not focused on anything except becoming black belts everywhere. Hmm. And pa, have you seen Leon fight? Do you know much about him? Yeah, me and Leon have both been around the amateur scene for years now. Um, we never, never got the chance to fight uh, at amateur, but like uh, people I fought have fought him and things like that. Um, but it just never seemed to happen. Um, he's a sound lad, though. I'm not against him, but <laughs> I can't wait to punch him in the face. But <laughs> um, stylistically, I suppose, how, like how do you compare and how do you contrast? He so he's like a long, skinny, lanky boxer with kind of all right chits you know um, but I feel like I'm going to be way too powerful for him way too quick for him um, my boxing is going to be way way better than his uh, my grappling is going to be way better um, yeah <laughs> Liam do you see it that way as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I, I think I think the uh, Paz experience is going to ring through here he's, he's fought uh different styles from all over the world and he can put it together better than anybody in the country at the moment at lightweight um, I, I, I see this being a, a, a very very entertaining fight but one that Pa will win so it's it's cage legacy happening next week obviously it's behind closed doors so it's it's going to be streamed live on the night lads I take it yeah yeah so it's it's a pay-per-view event and, and this is probably going to be the model for MMA shows for the rest of this year I would imagine uh, it's worked out 
decent enough. I mean, the, the support from the fans has been awesome. Uh, Pat is top ticket seller on, on, on the event. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as we're aware now, it's also the main event of the show, um, which is not bad for a lad from Cork making his pro debut. Um, <laughs> and there's still tickets available. So if anybody uh, hasn't bought tickets, um, you can go to Pa Lehan. What's your handle on Instagram? Uh, pa Lehan. It's just Pa underscore Lehan uh, at Instagram and Patrick Lehan on Facebook. And you'll get the link to, to, to the pay-per-view there. It's only a tenner. Mm-hmm. I mean... For twenty-five fights, and there's there's eight, I think eight pro fights on that card as well. A tenner, it's it's a steal, an absolute steal. And there's like you know, it's going to be a phenomenal performance. We've got four lads from SPG Cork on the on the card. There's also um, Fia McGuire from MMA Cork is on the card. Also, um, you know, there's there's uh, three lads from Samson Martial Arts on the card. So there's a lot of Cork uh, representation on the card. We've got Dylan O'Donovan. Um, I don't know has Dylan been on with you before uh, Rory mm, uh, I think so but uh, Dil- yeah Dylan is uh, the, the, the main event of the undercard and then we've got the Karate Twins you definitely have interviewed these guys before they, uh, uh, Sean has the first uh, martial arts Olympic medal for Ireland yeah he's um, you know so like these these kids uh, they're making their their uh, amateur MMA debut but uh, they're they're Scary dudes to be making the debut. <laughs> Great to see scary, so many Cork dudes. lads on the card as well, because I mean, like Absolutely. the scene had slowed down a bit in the last couple of years, but it seems they've been picking back up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we, there, there's there's plenty of clubs there. There's plenty of uh, shows. You know, I mean, I, I know in the last uh, uh, like five six years, the 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 standards of entry to MMA shows has increased because the level of safety has increased. Mm-hmm. So it's not as easy to get on a card as it was five or six years ago. You know, you have to get medically cleared. You have to, you know, uh, make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. But having said that, Cage Legacy have put on like 20 plus shows in the last five years. You know, you've got um, Cage Warriors Academy up north. You've got Clan Wars. We've run a couple of shows here as well. You've got a couple of other promotions that are banging out the shows. And throughout all that time, there's been um, plenty of activity for the for, for the car clubs to get involved in and uh, yeah, we're we're on we're on on the crest of another wave of Cork uh, supremacy. Hmm. Pat, making your your pro debut next week does that add to the pressure? Does does that even bother you at all? Not really, no. Um, well, it's a fight. Like you know, there's people, all my family and friends are going to be watching. There's going to be pressure, like no matter what. Um, but I've done this so many times. I, I know exactly how to deal with it. Um, I I've, I've I'm calm under under stressful situations. Like I always have been. I have to wake him up before he goes to fight. Do you realize that, Rory? He falls asleep in the changing room before his fight. I have to wake him up to warm him up and then yeah. bring him to the cage. He's still yawning on his way to the cage and then he puts on a, a masterclass. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to watching that masterclass uh, on April 3rd. Pa, I'm not going to wish you luck as you don't need it, but just get it done, buddy. Thank you. Nice one. Liam Ogg, if I can just ask you finally, um, Ryan Splant signing for Bellator was a big uh, news item last year. What's the situation there and what's been progressing? Yeah, so yeah, it was a huge, huge thing, and it was something that we actually had uh, signed a year previous, but we couldn't, we weren't allowed to announce, because um, uh, it's it's a kind of a developmental contract. Mm-hmm. But um, in the interim, uh, with COVID, uh, Bellator don't have a um, a kind of a setup in Europe to to host an event this year. So uh, what we've uh, what we've negotiated is the one fight release. So he actually makes his um, his pro debut in London. Uh, on Battle Arena and uh, he will be fighting um, uh, a local Londoner there well uh, I think I, I think he's from Eastern Europe but he's he's grown up in London his name is Romek Sim mm-hmm. and uh, Romek Sim is 2-0 and as a pro 3-1 and as an amateur um, so it's a tough test for Ryan um, but Ryan like 
uh, last year he he uh, he won his third IMAF gold medalist, uh, or sorry, his third IMAF gold medal by taking out um, an unbeaten heavyweight champion from Australia in less than less than a minute. Do you know? So Ryan is on fire, and the improvements he's made in the last twelve months alone, like like what what he's going to do in in July is just going to be something to behold. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, it he it'll mean that he hits his Bellator contract with uh, like you know. He'll hit the ground running for it, and uh, there's going to be a lot of big hype around him over the next couple of years. And that that division as well. I mean, they have some great heavyweights in there. You have the likes of Fedor, you have the likes of Matt Mitrion, you have uh, Tyrell Fortune. But like, there's only like maybe 15, 20 heavyweights in the in the division. So with two or three wins, he you could see Ryan the Hulk's plan versus Fedor. Hmm. How cool would that be? <laughs> That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, I saw Mal calling out James Heskell as well, which is a bit of crack. But yeah. He didn't answer. No, yeah, he's there. He's and Jack Swagger is very quiet as well. <laughs> well. Ryan would take the both of them, I think. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, guys, he's, he's looking forward to it. We're all looking forward to it. Yeah, certainly are, guys. It's been a pleasure seeing you uh, on Zoom tonight. Unfortunately, we can't do it in uh, person, but as soon as restrictions allow, I'll pop up to the gym and, and I'll chat to you very, very soon. Excellent. Thank Thanks, Roy. Yeah, always a pleasure to talk uh, to the SPG Cork City lads and uh, Paddy Han making his uh, professional debut next uh, week on that Cage Legacy card and uh, we'll all be watching him, rooting for him, no doubt. He is going to get the business done next Saturday night and uh, as you heard, uh, Liam Oak said there, he's the headliner in his pro debut. No small feat uh, for Paddy Lehan. That's pretty much it from our show fight tonight. England, meanwhile, have uh, picked up uh, a win in that World Cup qualifying uh, group uh, I game. Uh, they had a 2-0 win over Albania. Harry Kane and Mason Mount with the goals. But that's it from us. Our podcast will be online shortly. Get that. RedFM.ie, RedExtra.ie or from wherever you get your podcasts from. We're back next Saturday uh, from 6pm. Green on Red with Conor Halpin is up next with three hours of the best Irish music coming your way. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night, folks. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at RedFM.ie Cork's Red FM.